show where we count things down from number five to number one. I'm Stephen Schleicher, and over there is Matthew Peterson. Hello. And there's Rodrigo. Hey, no he Zach. get a last name. No, no Zach this week. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to our top five. This week, a listener request. In the years and years of top five listening, I was surprised to see a lack of particular kind of uh, of a particular kind of category, namely mythical fantasy creatures. Mm-hmm. Thusly, I wish to suggest the topic top five dragons, be they from literature or folklore, from film or game or animation, from the east to the west, from the sky to the sea. They are an amalgamation of humanity's greatest fears and grandest ambitions, encompassing drinks and wyverns and sea serpents. They are dragons. So okay. this week we're going to do our top five favorite pies. No, yeah. this, this week we're doing our top five dragons. Listener request. There's plenty of dragons in uh, all of everything. Sure. Including music, which is why my number five, Imagine Dragons. Now, I know, oh. technically they're not dragons, but he said dragons in all shapes and forms. So I would like to imagine dragons. And the only reason why they're on my list is because my oldest loves listening to that Thunder song. And so that got us listening to a lot of the uh, stuff that they put out. And I don't know if you guys have seen the music video for the for the Imagine Dragons Radioactive. But I love that song. It's got like Muppets in a um, like a cockfight situation. Where they're just <laughs> fighting each other over supremacy and just kind of wondering what's going on. And you watch that video, and by the end, you're just like, what, what, what did I just watch? And because of that, Imagine Dragons falls all the way down my list to number five. How dare they? Yep. You got it right, though. Widget explained this to me. She's like, okay, Dad, it's the command form. They are not the Imagine Dragons. They are literally telling you to Imagine Dragons. Exactly. Right. right? Matthew, what is is your number five? My number five comes from a comic book. Actually, pretty much all of my list comes from a comic book this week. And that's because comic book characters on my list this week. I should have. That's fine. I'm a comic nerd. It's what I do. It's kind of my shtick. It's one of the three things that I own each and every day. Uh, one of them, of course, is being a nerd. One of them is this wonderful, mellifluous, honey-themed voice that I speak to you with at this time. And the third, we don't mention in polite company. But my number five comes from a comic book written by Bill Willingham, who most people know from Fables. But this is way back. This is before the fables. This is back in the day. This is the 80s black and white comic boom when Bill Willingham was writing a book called The Elementals. And in the book called The Elementals, he introduced a young dragon, like super young, like 35, 40 years old. And we're explained that in a few centuries, Dave Dragovan will be able to shapeshift into a full-fledged giant fire-breathing, winked, you know, dragony, scaly form. Mm-hmm. But right now, he's, you know, he's a kid. He's a baby. Right, he right. doesn't have the ability to shapeshift. So Dave Dragovan is just really tough, really strong, damn near impossible to kill, and has a terrible attitude and sometimes spits fire. But the thing about Dave that's great is he is just a straightforward kind of fantasy Dungeons and Dragons character just stuck smack dab in the middle of the elementals, which does delve into that, but you know, certainly not as much as fables. And in no way is it a straightforward, 
you know, swords and sorcery or weird monsters in the closet kind of story where you'd expect a dragon to just pop up. One of the big uh, arcs where I remember this coming to head was right after a story where they had to cleanse the city of Philadelphia of vampires. And to do that, they had to bless all of the fire hydrants. But nonetheless, Dave Dragavon, my number five, because he's kind of a jerk, but that's because he's a kid. And someday, someday, he'll be able to turn into a giant flying dragon and melt your entire town. But right now, he's just a jerk. There you go. Rodrigo, it is your turn to share your number five dragon. Uh, my number five dragon. So my list, I, I you know, there's thousands of dragons in literature and pop culture so i was trying to look for dragon archetypes and and what exemplifies them best um so my number five is a friendly dragon archetype a kind of harmless dragon that still kind of exhibits traits of dragonness um and that is dragonity uh, i think it should be yes dra- dragonosity Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is, um, a character named Magellan from a show called Eureka's Castle. Oh yeah, I remember Eureka's Castle. Right, some, so Eureka's some Castle action right there, right? Is this super cute puppet show? Um, I actually have never seen it in English. Um, but there's uh, it's actually really high quality puppet stuff. Um. And uh, there's a big, big giant dragon, right? It's like most of them are like hand puppets, but the dragon is clearly a person in a suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, I think that person might actually be the same performer as Bear from Bear in the Big Blue House. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah. So what what does what does what's interesting about Magellan is that he is a he's a very young dragon, sort of like how Big Bird is enormous, but he's still like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of weirdly dangerous because he's very strong and because he can't control his tail, his tail kind of has a mind of its own. So there's this I- idea, you know, in a very soft, cute kids show that he's still kind of weirdly dangerous in the sense that, you know, he can still cause mishaps to happen because he's a dragon. So uh, rather than put some other friendly dragons here, um, I thought Magellan was good because there's still, even in this kind of thing, there's still kind of this slight element of danger, which I think is important to have with a dragon. Oh, sure. And I, I was wrong. Not PBS. Nick Jr. Yeah, other, yeah this is other, a Nickelodeon show. Little, yeah. Other little known fact, the head writer on the show, one mm-hmm. R.L. Stein. Well, yeah, I did know that. I remember hearing that. Yeah. So there you go. Very good. Number My brain five. wants to say that in English, they sounded very, very Canadian. Um, I may be thinking of, of you can't do that on television too. Definitely. I mean, if you, if you're into like, if you think to yourself, man, Jim Henson is the, the first and last word in puppets. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, I don't know if this was a Jim Henson joint. I didn't, I didn't Um, see that in the wiki. I, I don't think it is, but, but what I'm saying is, is like, if you want to see like puppets that, can't stand up to Jim Henson stuff. Definitely look up Eureka's Castle. It's like yeah. a really, really good show. Really cute puppets. Not freaky like a lot of other puppet shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
All right. Thank you for that one, Rodrigo. As we move up my list, I suddenly realize that I'm going for for quality of dragon. So like my number one will definitely be full on <laughs> dragon. Right. 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 My number four is like a freaking weird ass dragon. I'm not even okay. sure it's a dragon. Now, everybody has maybe seen an interpretation of St. George slaying the dragon, right? And depending right. on which interpretation you see, it looks like a real little tiny baby dragon that that St. George is stabbing in his in his giant uh, suit of armor. Or if you see the one where he's kind of wearing like just like caveman clothes and he's clubbing something to death. But if right. you want to see the weirdest, freakiest dragon, you need to go check out the picture. St. George slaying the dragon by I think his name is Yost Aller, J-O-S-T-H-A-L-L-E-R. When you see this dragon, you will say, first of all, that's not a dragon. Second of all, it looks like somebody <laughs> somebody lit a lion on fire until all of its skin was burned off. And then they decided to stab it. Because <laughs> when you look at the face of this thing, it looks nothing like a dragon. The body looks nothing like a dragon, but it does look like a malformed or seriously burned lion. Well, and it is you know- creepy and it will give you nightmares. Back in those days, people hadn't decided 100% what dragons looked yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That was I mean, so this really was, open to interpretation. This was yeah. 15th century when this painting was uh, was made. And for the longest time, it just went uncredited and would just, uh, I guess, was hidden away or something. And it really didn't become known, uh, this particular painting, until the 1980s when people started using it for uh, here's examples of illuminated text type stuff. Uh, so what, yeah, this one is, is really, really interesting. What I really like about this image is like the very disinterested lady. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, that's <laughs> hanging out. You know, you could She's be over like, here mm. with me, St. George, but no, you gotta, you gotta slay uh, that dragon again. Mm. Mm, seen yeah. better, seen better yeah. dragons. Yeah. Definitely seen better <laughs> dragons, but maybe a little bit better than the imagined dragons. That's my number four. Matthew, what do you have for number four? I guess really all dragons are imaginary. My number four, I think it's going to fall into that header of things where, depending on his mood, Stephen might argue with me. But I have two important things that we might go into here. And first, I feel like names are important. Names have an important value. And so if your name contains dragon. I believe that on some level, you can probably make an argument that you are, in fact, a dragon. And more importantly, mm. I didn't take biology in high school. I actually you know, skipped over biology and went straight to the next class, which I think was physics. I don't remember. I kind of wish I had taken biology because every once in a while, people are like, ah, you don't understand phylum. And I'm like, that's true. I don't. But I do understand taxonomy. And so if your parent was a dragon, you could possibly be a dragon. And so mm-hmm. that's why my number four is actually a twofer. The Daughters of the Dragon, uh, Mercedes Knight, uh, known to her friends as Misty, and of course, Colleen Wing, known to her friends as Please Don't Kill Me With That Sword, Colleen. Uh, the Daughters of the Dragon are close associates of the heroes for hire in the Marvel Universe, Power Man and Iron Fist, who doesn't suck as much as he did on TV, guys. Iron Fist is way cool. I really am sorry. I feel bad because nobody's had that bad of an adaptation since probably Keanu Reeves is Constantine. And you just, you feel bad for Iron Fist, you know? He's got to be walking around the Marvel Universe all depressed, all upset. They didn't even get my mask right, he says. But it's okay because his friends are there, the Daughters of the Dragon. One of them has a sword. One of them has a bionic arm. 
both of them have cat suits and both of them are, you know, pretty willing to mess you up if you give them a good reason to. And I think most importantly, the best part about the Daughters of the Dragon is that one of them has a last name Knight and one of them has a last name Wing. And so their corporation is Nightwing Restorations Limited. And they did that in 1977, which is a good 10 years before Robin decided to change his name. So uh, this is actually a fact. This is true. Dick Grayson actually pays Misty and Colleen every month for the use of the name Nightwing, just like uh, the WWE has to pay Marvel Comics for the use of the name Hulk Hogan. That is a true fact as far as you know. And that's why my number four is the Daughters of the Dragon. Mm, so okay. my my question is who mm-hmm. did the um uh one C like one piece with the plunging neckline and the super high collar first, Iron Fist or or Nightwing? <laughs> Iron Fist. Okay. Iron Fist did that back in seventy three. Nightwing was uh, eighty four when he actually picked up the costume. Gotcha. Way cool disco collar. Yep. Yeah. So he probably has to pay Iron Fist for the disco yep. collar. He, no, he just like straight up borrowed his suit. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Dick Grayson is leaning on that Wayne Foundation money, so he just writes check after yeah. check after check. Uh, he's just t- sending everybody money for all of his stolen concepts. Mm-hmm. And Batman is just like, well, he's my son. What can I do? Rodrigo, what do you have for number four? Uh, my number four is a look at sort of the dragon as a sort of wise mentor character. Mm. Um. So, uh, uh, my, my number four entry is a spoiler alert for like a 10 year old game, um, Parthunax from, uh, the Elder Scrolls five colon Skyrim. That guy's Um, a dragon. Uh, yep. As it turns out, the, the guy that like, there's a bunch of old guys who are like, we'll teach you the dragon's language. And then eventually they're like, oh, you can go meet our now. And so you walk upstairs and the boss is a dragon and it's a dragon that's been alive this whole time. And basically from there on out, it's kind of him being like, okay, here's what you need to do to take down the evil dragon. Um, it is, he's an interesting character. And again, it's like, I think there's lots of like friendly, helpful mentor dragons, but um, Parthenax always seems very threatening, and also you find out that he had something to do with, you know, back back in the day when the dragons were like massacring people and doing terrible things and warping the world with their horrible language. Um, they were uh, Parthenax was right; he was like the second in command. He was literally the dra- you know, the dragons dragon. Um, mm. If you're a TV tropes fan, so. Ah. Um, at, at, as the game sort of wraps up, you actually have the the opportunity to be like, okay, Parthenax, well, I'm the kick-buddiest guy around, so you can just hang out, or you can be like, for your crimes, I shall slay you, and then you have to fight another dragon. Um, but, you know, it's Skyrim, so that's what you do. So, yeah, my number four, sort of like a, a mentor character that always kind of retains that scary dragon-ness, uh, Parthenax from uh, Elder Scrolls. Very cool. It's interesting that yeah. your number four is a video game character, because my number three is also a video game character that I will admit 
I knew nothing about until my kids started playing Skylanders. And mm. I'm talking about Spyro the Dragon, who's been around sure. like forever. But yeah. because I, what was he on? Like a lot of the Nintendo systems? Because no, no, I, no. No, well, Spyro was strictly, uh, I think, a Sony guy. He was oh, like okay. a PlayStation yep. guy. Uh, okay, because I, I did not play a lot of PlayStation stuff until we got the PlayStation 4. And so this character was virtually unknown to me until he appears in this Skylanders game, Spyro's Adventure. And then my kids started playing it and loving it and demanding all the little figures. And so then I had to go and say, okay, who's Spyro? This is this weird new dragon. Everyone's like, no, no, he's a real dragon. He's been around for forever. So, yeah, you can trust this guy, Spyro. And he's kind of a little friendly purple dragon. And I hear they're making a super articulated Spyro figure coming out soon that will have a ball and socket joint tail and articulating wings. And I don't know how many points of articulation it's going to have. But uh, according to the the Internet, uh, everyone has lost their their poo poo uh, over this thing. I guess. I mean, Spyro is kind of like a little pudgy guy. I know. Right. If you put too much articulation on him, I, I feel like you'd kind of lose the shape of him. Maybe. I don't know. I Maybe can't you could articulate to... his tummy. Well, I think, Maybe. I think you know, he's probably got like an upper upper chest, lower body, legs, knees, feet, uh, as well as tail and head and wings and shoulders, face. Ears. And, yeah. Maybe, and shoulders, Maybe he'll and have joints like, you know, Barbies where they have that like click oh, joint, yeah. but then they have that soft plastic over oh, the, soft the knees plastic. or whatever. Uh, yeah. Steven. So they can actually... My number three, Spyro the Dragon from all the video games that I know nothing about, but I think he's cute and he looks kind of cool. And at least he defeated that evil little, uh, that little minion guy in the Skylanders game. Actually, it's my kids who defeated minions. Spyro just went along for the ride. Yeah. Matthew, what is your number three? My number three is actually kind of a teeny tiny bit. Okay, more than a teeny tiny bit. It's a little bit inappropriate, but here's the thing. The reason why it's on this list does not have to deal with the inappropriate parts. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. There's a thing called wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with wrestling. Not familiar with wrestling, but All right. I'm familiar wrestling. with Rassilon from uh, Doctor Who. Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> oh, nerdy <laughs> reference. Well played, but no. Uh, wrestling is a thing by which two guys get in a ring and pretend to hurt each other real oh, bad. Okay. And then one of them wins. So here's the thing back in about, mm, I don't know, the mid to late seventies, there was a place in the South called Jim Crockett promotions, which was part of the national wrestling Alliance or NWA. And the NWA had various territories around the United States. And in those territories, you had your various champions. And one of the greatest, one of the best regarded, not only in terms of skills in the ring, not only in terms of, you know, just overall, hey, look at this guy. He's an amazing wrestler. Was, he's a really nice guy too. But here's the thing. The man's name is Richard Henry Blood. Now, I don't know about you guys. I think that I could actually get really, really a lot of mileage out of a man named Richard Blood. But the NWA gave him a different name, a, a more kind of, a, I don't know, kind of 70s hip vibe kind of thing. And they named him Ricky, Ricky Steamboat. And Ricky Steamboat was known for amazing wrestling across the South. And he was finally b- bought up uh, by uh, Vince McMahon who offered him a lot of money to come to the World Wrestling Federation and become Ricky 
the dragon steamboat. And what that meant, since Ricky is uh, an Asian American, it meant that he came out dressed in a gi with a headband like the Karate Kid. So this was like and in it, the 80s, right? This was definitely 80s, 1985. Yeah. <laughs> breathing fire during his entrance. Nice. And he was just this ultimate baby face. And people were like, this is terrible, you guys. And some people are like, hey, um, guys, this is inappropriate. This is a little bit the R word. And Vince McMahon, you know, being Vince McMahon was like, no, I'm Vince McMahon. But even with the goofiness and even with the fact that the whole dragon thing was just a little bit off. I mean, just Ricky Steamboat showed up and was just amazing. And Ricky Steamboat is an incredible still is an incredible wrestler even in his 60s uh, his son ricky steamboat jr is actually from what i understand really good used to be in a part of the nxt but ricky steamboat man he could wrestle your face off ricky steamboat had an intercontinental championship match against macho man randy savage which is still considered today to be the high point of 80s wrestling. Just amazing stuff. And while he didn't actually win that Intercontinental Championship, or in fact, to my knowledge, any championship in the WWF slash WWE, he's still a world champion, a four-time U.S. champion, a four-time heavyweight champion for the television side of things back in the NWA, and a 12-time 12-time tag team champion of the world. So, if you think you can beat that, uh, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, I will be ma- Mighty King Cobra, and we will wrestle it out on the PS4, and I will take you down if you think you can be better than my number three, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Okay. Wow. Okay. He's the dragon. Okay. Yeah. Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three... Um, sorry, I just got hung up. Oh on, yeah, so was uh, I. Holy cow! On, uh, <laughs> it's like I was I was thinking that uh, Matthew. If somebody who doesn't watch WWE hears Matthews like oh, Vince McMahon, like impression of Vince McMahon, they think like oh, he's making fun of him. But that's actually literally what <laughs> Vince McMahon sounds like. That was actually like just such a true to life, like perfectly baseline impression <laughs> of Vince McMahon. Well, I'm just, I'm just still, so Ricky, what is, what is his, does he have a full name? Is it like Richard or is it Richard, just Rick? Richard, Richard Blood. Okay. All right. Richard Blood. Man, Red, if you what were going to be a what is your villain, number three? Richard Blood is such a great name. Uh, you know, it's like, you always get like, uh, you always, you, you hear about these wrestlers and they always get put into personas because that's like the persona that they need so it's like yeah here comes this guy named richard blood that's perfect it's like paul white you know not necessarily a a, a, first off a white is an actual monster and that's how he spells it right um but uh, never been used that way and also he's like actually a super charming person right the big show and it's like never really been much of a face even though it would be great to just have a gigantic face (laughs) <laughs> Let's not get into it. I have a gigantic face, actually. Yeah. On my gigantic head. But your number three. My number three <laughs> uh, is kind of uh, the idea of a dragon as like um, kind of a, an important plot element rather than necessarily something that uh, active, you actively have to kill or deal with. Um, and that is 
uh, Ugin the Spirit Dragon from Magic the Gathering. Mm. Um, and it's really great when you look into the history of Ugin the Spirit Dragon because um, he was introduced as a throwaway line in a single card. And since that card, they have been sort of building the uh, the mythos of Ugin. And it's always been by different people. So there have been moments when somebody is like, ah, this thing here belongs to Ugin. And then later on, somebody's like, well, that doesn't make sense given what we've said about him before. And then whoever comes afterwards has to like reconcile it. So that is partially why Ugin is kind of a time-traveling dragon now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, most importantly, he's he's a big deal on Tarkir. And when you arrive at Tarkir, you know, or when when the magic storyline arrived there, it's like there were these huge storms that just spawned dragons, like horrible feral dragons, just pop out of these storms. Yeah. Um, but people are like, oh, it's okay. Ugin taught us these techniques that allow us to deal with the dragons or you know you can't really fight them one-on-one but they allow us to get away from them or to protect ourselves from them and then eventually you find out that the the storms were caused by ugin as a side effect of the magic that he was trying to research Mm -hmm. so it's like it's not that he was really helping the humans so much as he was like i'm going to just make sure they don't get completely wiped out um out of that thing that i did in this Ooh. world and just screwed it all up. But then time travel shenanigans happen, so none of that matters anymore. Hashtag and, time travel shenanigans. Yep. And 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 that's that's kind of you know an important role that I think dragons play a lot of the time is, you know, that thing where you don't even see a dragon, but they're like, you know, a thousand years ago this canyon was carved by the great dragon such and such. It's kind of, you know, dragons as world building rather than necessarily active participants in the story. Uh, Ugin does become an active participant in the story every once in a while, but for a long time, he was just kind of a series of clues that you could put together as you were playing Magic and be like, I wonder what this dragon's about. Now we know what he's about. He's the brother of the other big dragon in Magic, because, of course, that has to happen, right? There you go. Very cool. Lots uh, Lots of information there. Let's see if I can provide some information as we get to our number twos. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the artist Evan Earl, uh, kind of maybe a, a prodigy, uh, had his first art gallery show at the age of 14, sold his first work to the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art at 23, ended up going to work for Walt Disney Studios in 1951 by the time he was uh, 35, and he started doing a lot of art and doing a lot of background art. Now, uh, you probably didn't know that he was uh, part of the Peter Pan movie that came out in 1953, but he was. Many people don't know that he worked on Lady and the Tramp as one of the concept artists for that film. He was. Uh The one where people know Evan Earl the most from is from Sleeping Beauty. And in Sleeping Beauty, he basically was the background designer, which ultimately influenced the look of all the characters in the movie because he decided that, hey, all of these backgrounds, if we're telling a fairy tale story, let's design the entire look of the film around these old uh, tapestries about uh, what we thought, you know, the medieval unicorn tapestry type stuff of what uh, things would look like. And let's design the entire film around that, including the uh, character of uh, Briar Rose And my number two dragon, Maleficent, because if you see her change 
from the evil sorceress into that big green or that big uh, black and red dragon that's spitting fire and and taking on the uh, uh, Prince Charming character. Ooh, she is a freaky dragon and she's a scary dragon. And ever since I was a kid, that was one of the most impressive transformation scenes I've ever seen. Also, just it is one of the most impressive dragons I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a good dragon. And if we're talking about art style, I certainly dig Evan Durrell's stylings of Sleeping Beauty. And I think if they had gone with any other creator on that, any of the other artists that we see at the Disney Studios at the time, we would not have had a film that stands out as much as Sleeping Beauty does. And we certainly wouldn't have had my number two, Maleficent, as one of the top five dragons of all time. Matthew, what do you have for number two? My number two actually has an awful lot in common with my number five. Because if you remember, my number five was a man who would sometime be able to turn into a dragon. Came from 80s black and white comic books and was kind of a jerk. My number two is a man who can turn into a dragon. Comes from 80s black and white comic books, but is not a jerk or at least not as much of a jerk. Uh, Known as Mark Dagon in his day job, because subtlety is dead, my friends. Um, He is actually a writer of children's books, and secretly the last surviving dragon. And in his superhuman form as a member of the Southern Knights, he is known as Dragon. Because again, subtlety, Mm. it's a terrible thing. But (laughs) Dragon is kind of hilarious because the thing about the Southern Knights that I love is the Southern Knights came out of an 80s black and white comic boom where everything was meant to be down to earth. You know, this is the point where you had ninjas everywhere. And even though some of them were turtles, it was meant to be grounded street level stories. And you're like, okay, this is something that could possibly happen if we ignore the fact that these are turtle ninjas. And the Southern Knights were people who were just kind of normal people running around Georgia who had superpowers. And they weren't like huge superpowers. There was a guy who had some magnetic abilities and a girl who was kind of strong and a girl who could do things with a magic psychic sword long before Psylocke, by the way. And, of course, their friend, who is a giant freaking ancient dragon. And the best part about the whole thing for me is the fact that the creators of Southern Knights, in order to make this character... To, to translate on the page with the limited uh, kind of tools that they had with uh, 80s repro- uh, reproduction on the page and no color, they basically drew him as Tom Selleck. So the Southern Knights were these you know young kids with superpowers and Tom Selleck, who occasionally turned into an ancient dragon and breathed fire and flew around. But if you ever get a chance to read Southern Knights comics, first of all, do it because they're awesome. And second of all, get a good look at the structure of Dragon's wings because his wings are fascinating to look at. The way that they're actually put together, they look like they're another set of arms slightly above the arms that come in his dragon form, including the, what do they call the little uh, the little things that come down? When you have like a kite or a wing or something, it has the, Tail. the spindly bones things coming down through it. Like it fans out and then there's little bones and it's, I don't know what you call it. Oh, I mean, they're like digits if it's uh, like a bat or something. Yeah. It looks like a hand. It looks like basically he has a wing hand and he spreads out his wing hand and he has giant wings and also 
Uh, he's Tom Selleck, and he writes children's books. If you can get all of that in your brain all at once, you can sit there and say, okay, I have come to terms with that. Then you can start reading Southern Nights, the home of my number two, Dragon, whose name is Dragon. All right. Very cool. Rodrigo, you have a number two, I'm sure, since this is mm -hmm. a top five list and starting at number five and moving upward, one would presume you would have a number two. <laughs> As opposed to saying, well, I don't have a number five, so this is my top four. Or I have uh, a number six, but no number five. Yeah. Oh, or, you can get number, have a number six or if you can get a number three, but hold the onions on that one. What is right. your number? You what is your number two there, Rodrigo? Uh, my number two is looking at uh, dragon sort of as a force of nature, right? Rather than necessarily something to fight or slay is 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 uh, dragon sort of as a something unstoppable that is there and is going to cause mayhem, and then you're just ha gonna have to deal with the consequences. And of course, there is no dragon that better represents that aspect than, of course, Trogdor the Burninator. Oh, yeah, Trogdor. <laughs> From homestarrunner.com. It's time to meet our friend Trogdor. Yeah. Uh, Trogdor was a pretty early creation out of Homestar Runner. Yeah, it was. Um, and they've gotten a lot of mileage out of them. They In just fact, like... they just wrapped a Kickstarter mm -hmm. for the Trogdor board game, which I cannot wait to sit down and play. Yep. Which it, it fully funded all the stretch goals. I think it, it just like immediately mm -hmm. um, just uh, got burninated because that's what getting through their tears was called. Um, and uh, yeah, a long time ago, somebody sent a strong bad an email about drawing a dragon. And I would say that out of the there's like the Homestar Runner sphere in which, you know, people that are into Homestar Runner get into. But if there's, like, a couple of things that have, like, actually permeated out, one of them's Trogdor, and the other one's probably the Teen Girl Squad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one that people actually know without necessarily knowing where it's from. Right. Um, but, yeah, I would say uh, you can you can keep your Smaugs and you can keep your um, other dragons. Definitely Trogdor is the... Uh, is the burninating is and he comes with his own theme song there he does mm -hmm. he certainly does speaking of the smaugs rodrigo we have hit mm -hmm. our number one and so we've come up to the dragon of all dragons i think that's what smaug means right the the dragon of all dragons is it i, th I think, I think it's he's smarg he's he's one of the smarg i think it's smarg yeah smarg yeah. uh he is the dragon of all dragons or at least he is the greediest of all dragons in mm. the Lord of the Rings and in the Hobbit, he's constantly talked about. Uh, he's the the Deathbringer, I believe, uh, and uh, that is my number one. I don't remember what was my first dragon growing up. It probably was like Puff the Magic Dragon, right? And then probably Pete's Dragon, yeah. And then probably Smog. If you think about the order in which you move up as a reader, because at mm. some point you transition from the Pete's Dragon into the Hobbit, and that's where you get the the Smaugs. And uh, man, that is a that is a horribly scary monster of a of a dragon. And the fact that it's all greed and it's all give me this and I want to hoard things. And he really, truly represents the worst of industrialism and the worst mm -hmm. of and, and the worst capitalism. of capitalism uh, in the time both leading up to and after World War One. 
Uh, Smog is is my first dragon of choice all the time when we talk about uh, top five dragons. So there you go. Matthew, what is your your number one? Is it Schmarg? My, it's not Schmarg. Okay. Because I had, you know, every time we do Schmarg, I'm like, I have to make a joke about a Schmargus bard and then all of our oh, you know, well, you Swedish know, uh, listeners get mad. Wasn't, yeah, yeah. The Schmargus bard. He was the first one that the dragon killed right, when he got right. to uh, to, no, to Orventown. Schmargus bard is the one who ki- who actually hits him with the arrow. Oh, yeah. Hit him right <laughs> through the heart. Yeah. It's not too late. <laughs> It's not too late, but it is too late because my number one is not the schmark and it's not from a comic book. However, um, it's still pretty nerdy because my number one comes from the year 1993. No, man. It was a year. It was a terrible year. Terrible year. But it did have a couple of things going for it. One, uh, 1993 was the year that I turned 23 which, you know, that doesn't mean anything to anyone but me, but I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> do it gave us something very important. A man named Haim Saban went to Japan, and he said to these uh, Japanese filmmakers, he said, hey, hey, guys, sell us your films. And they said, why? He said, because I'm going to take them, and I'm going to recut them into something in the United States, and I'm going to change the lives of children for the next 25 years. And they said, sure. And so... 1993 gave us Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and my number one, the greatest dragon that I could think of on short notice, the Dragon Zord. Uh, Each of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, as you probably know, is powered by a specific power coin. And uh, they are reputedly dinosaurs, although I think only two of them are actually legitimately dinosaurs, if I'm well, not mistaken. I mean, what do you had a triceratops? Uh, yeah, so the and triceratops a... and the T Rex would be dinosaurs. Everything else is yes. not a dinosaur. And Nothing including else is dinosaur. the uh, the pterosaur or whatever that people think uh, the flying right. flying one. Right. The, t- the pterodactyls are not dinosaurs. Right. So right. But uh, saber tooth tiger definitely not a dinosaur. Uh, mammoth, uh, woolly mammoth, not not a dinosaur, and also not a dinosaur, a dragon. But the dragon sword is linked to the green coin used by the Green Ranger Tommy Oliver in his uh, awesomeness as the awesome awesome that is the Green Ranger. And you know, there's a legend that they tell in the Power Rangers forums in the secret back rooms of Power Rangers nerdery about how the show might not have survived were it not for the addition of Tommy as the green ranger in the middle of season one. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I will tell you this early on, you know, 22 year old me was a little bit salty and a little bit, well, I don't understand. And then I'm like, okay, I like this green ranger. And because of that green ranger, I became a fan of power rangers and by extension, a fan of super sentai. And as such, I still have in my den right now, right next to my uh, collections of, all sorts of junk and comic books and a great big collection of action figures. My dragon Zord figure, the actual Zord itself that you can assemble. Uh, it had batteries in it, but the batteries melted down. So it doesn't roar anymore and its eyes don't glow. But once it did, and it was truly impressive and it is my number one, the dragon Zord. You have to say it like that because that's how Tommy said it. Yeah. Oh, dragon Zord. Okay. Mm. Say it with how, me. How's that again? Dragon sword, dragon sword, Dra- dragon, dragon sword. No, that's a different thing. No, Zord, Z O R D, dragon smarg. Okay, now you're doing it on purpose. How <laughs> juvenile, Rodrigo? What is your number one? 
so uh, my number one is sort of, uh, if you're looking at all of these draconic archetypes, my number one is sort of the dragon as this sort of ideal of like grace and beauty and deadliness, sort of the, the perfect predator, if you will. And uh, that is, of course, um, the Alolan Exeggutor from Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a moment to, to Google that. It's Alolan, it's A-L-O-L-A-N. Okay, hang on. And then Exeggutor, it's E-X-E-G-G-U-T-O-R. Oh. Right. So, um, of course, Pokemon fans immediately know that uh, the Alolan Exeggutor might be the stupidest looking Pokemon ever created. Yes. And that is a competition between Pokemon, uh, one that is a trash bag and one that is a literal ice cream cone uh, <laughs> and one that's a set of keys. So, um, origi- so uh, in Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh, they are set in the Alolan Isle, in the, in the region of Alola, which are uh, these islands. And so one of the things that the Pokemon team came up with was, wouldn't it be cool if some of the Gen Generation 1 Pokemon had sort of found their way to these islands, but because they've been separated from the other ones, they've evolved, not in the Pokemon sense of evolution, but they've, you know, changed to be something else. So we've got, you know, a new Meowth, a new Rattata, a new uh, Grimer. And one of the things we got was a new Executor. And the original Executor was already really stupid. It's yes, it a was. palm tree with legs, <laughs> a, a, a fat little palm tree with legs, and its head. it has three heads <laughs> that are eggs, right? Are they eggs or coconuts? Well, so it evolves from another critter called Execute. Oh, right, 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 right. I've caught both of these on the of eggs, Pokemon's Go. And you go. know they're eggs because literally one of them in yeah. the image is usually cracked and you can see a yolk. Mm-hmm. So it evolves into Executor, which, or is, which the, the normal version is a, a grass type. It's a grass psychic type. But... For some reason, the Alolan Executor is a grass dragon type. And the main difference between the two is that uh, the Alolan Executor has a stupidly long neck. Like a functionally, problematically, on purpose long neck to the point that when you when you meet one in the wild, your you're like, little Pokemon team comes out and you see it, you can't see its face. It's too tall for your screen. So it fights the whole fight, and you don't, you can't even see its face. It's so stupidly tall, um, except maybe when it brings it down to hit you with a wood hammer. Um, this, like, when I was looking into Pokemon Sun and Moon and see if I was gonna like be interested in picking it up because I don't pick up every generation, I saw the Alolan Executor, and I was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Somehow stupider than the original version of it. I want it. I need to get this game. <laughs> By the way, this game also has a like ha, like Pokemon. There's lots of dragon type Pokemon to choose from, um, including a like straight up um, like Falcor Rift. Look up. Uh, I think it's called Drampa. Mm. Um, 
And it's just like, oh yeah, that's just Pokemon Falcor. But I out of all Trample the dragons, was a medication for peeing the bed. I well, I'm sure Drampa would definitely prevent you from peeing the bed because he would eat you. Um, oh. uh, out of all the potential dragons, out of all the potential Pokemon games, Alolan Executor is my number one because. It's by far the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> In a good way, I think. No. It like trend it like transcends. It comes back around to being cool again. That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Way to end it on a on a high night note with a stupid dragon there, Rodrigo. Yeah. Well, a <laughs> hybrid dragon thing. It also has a uh, it also has a frisk ability, so you want to make sure that you're not carrying when yep. you go and attack uh, this thing. By the way, this one, uh, the original one, doesn't have a tail. This one has a tail, and you can't usually see it from the pictures, but it has another face at the end of its tail. Yeah. Well, yeah, because so, the tail's going to be so long. Just when you thought it couldn't get any stupider. <laughs> just turn Perfect. it around, and it, it's stupider somehow. Oh, boy. Listeners, there is our list of our top five dragons. I think that was a great topic that was sent in. Probably not the answers that uh, this uh, person was uh, thinking of when when, uh, he or she suggested it. But uh, there you go. Top five dragons. Listeners, what are your top five dragons? Do you have a schmarg or a potato on your list of top five dragons? Uh, Go over to Majorspoilers.com and in the comments section for this episode, share your top five dragons and the reason why... We will scrutinize your list to see if maybe you've got a a weird burned lion instead of a dragon, or maybe a group of singers will be a dragon, or maybe it will be a a giant uh, dragon sword that you can punch. But we're going to go over that list. Everyone else will go over that list, because everyone loves a list. And we will talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.